Hello, I'm Akshat, and if you're new here, welcome. Stay a while. If you're coming back, well, it's really great to see you again, and you should stick around. All right, gang, let's talk inflammation. Yeah, 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 I know. In a sense, we talk about inflammation in every episode. But today's flavor is sterile inflammation. And it doesn't get nearly as much play as its most septic counterpart. However, let's set some definitions down before we delve into the quiddities, the vicissitudes, the drama of sterile inflammation. So, in general, in this day and age, we no longer view inflammation as pathology, or, well, pathology per se. Having identified the many, 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 many molecular players in the numerous inflammatory tableaus that play out in the body, we understand inflammation to be a helpful, even salutary, event where immune cells are activated with the goal of restoring homeostasis. Most conversations center around septic inflammation, or inflammation in response to microbes or microbial products, and rightly so. Pathogen exclusion must be swift and memorable, especially for B cells. Yet, yet, sterile inflammation deserves our attention too. It represents not just the origin stories of many lifestyle diseases, as they call them, but also the broader involvement of immune cells and mediators in regular everyday physiological processes that may have nothing to do with defense or microbes and their associated motifs. The example I want to highlight is ischemia reperfusion injury. This in the literature is often abbreviated IRI, which makes sense, ischemia reperfusion injury. But my preference is to simply call it reperfusion injury, and that is how I will be referring to it as we go on. Reperfusion injury after kidney transplant represents an excellent template of how sterile inflammation plays out, in my opinion, at least. Uh, there are roles in this setup for both innate and adaptive immune cells. I will certainly address both subsets. However, not in as much detail as Jatin and Natalie go into in episodes 12 to 15 of this very podcast. Uh, these episodes are a comprehensive series on the mechanisms of innate immunity. Meanwhile, episodes 17 to 20 see Ash, Koshika, Jatin, and Natalie parse out the mechanisms, the machinations involved in T and B cell activation. So, you should check them out. Right then, back to business. Oftentimes, the initiation of sterile inflammation is an insult, which is an injury of some kind. In reperfusion injury in the context of a transplanted kidney, this insult is, well, the return of oxygen to an oxygen-deprived or an ischemic uh, tissue. The response to the insult is, appropriately, a molecular cry for help. The traumatized endothelium secretes cytokines that recruit immune cells while also unleashing damage-associated molecular patterns, or DAMPs. These are basically the products of cell death, and they act as ligands that activate immune, the immune cells that are arriving. The endothelium also very quickly upregulates adhesion molecules. These include things like selectins or CAMs to grab onto immune cells that are rushing in. It's worth noting, too, that the insults perturb cell-to-cell -cell contacts, and so the endothelium is far more permissive to leukocyte transmigration. Speaking of which, neutrophils, most likely responding to endothelial IL-8, are the first ones to show up. Typical. Neutrophils also never come empty-handed. So, what do the neutrophils bring to an already damaged endothelium? Well, elastases, proteases, and matrix, matrix metalloproteases, um, all of which cause more cell death and create more ligands to drive more inflammation. In fact, extracellular matrix proteins may serve as ligands for, mac for macrophage-associated TLR4. Oh yeah, 
The Max are here too. But Akshat, I hear you say, doesn't TLR4 recognize LPS, which is clearly a bacterial product? Absolutely. However, these self-derived non-microbial molecular motifs that we see in a reperfusion injury can and do serve as ligands for TLR4. Remember that TLR4 is a pattern recognition receptor, or a PRR. It's a germline encoded receptor that responds to molecular motifs and is not as highly specific or even as dynamic as the T-cell receptor. Speaking of T-cell receptors, the role of adaptive cells is less clear in renal reperfusion injury. The T-cells certainly show up. The endothelium makes T-cell attractants like RANTES, amongst other chemokines. Innate cells also release chemokines. But the T-cells that are arriving, to, to what are they responding? Our understanding of T-cell responses is that they have a high specificity for certain antigens. What the antigen here is, is simply not known. Not to me, anyway. If, if you do, please, please do let us know. I don't think we give bystander activation enough credit, though. Many T-cell types lead rich, productive lives outside the T-cell receptor or the TCR. Here, they are often activated by cytokines only, and the cell adhesion molecules, the CAMs that I was talking about, they also have the capacity to transduce T-cell activating signals. These pathways may synergize for certain T-cell types, allowing for activation without any sort of TCR ligation. The T-cells whose core biology certainly involves these pathways, these TCR-independent pathways, we call them innate-like T-cells. Examples of these include things like invariant natural killer T-cells, or INK T-cells, gamma-delta T-cells, virtual memory CD8 T-cells, amongst so many others. And y'all, the biology is wild. It's, it's endlessly fascinating, and I, I definitely recommend that you check them out. Since we are speaking of T-cells and transplantation, I would be remiss if I did not talk of alloreactive T-cells. Alloreactivity happens when host T-cells respond rather strongly to donor MHCs or donor peptides. This is a very basic definition of alloreactivity, and I'm pretty sure that I have alienated at least 83% of the transplant immunologists who are listening in. But I think they will also agree when I say that we don't really understand how alloreactivity comes to be anyway. There's so much about it that's shrouded in mystery. Maybe a subject for a future episode. I don't know. But okay, do understand though that alloreactivity is not a consequence of reperfusion injury. Alloreactivity is a consequence of transplantation. But that's not to say that alloreactive T cells don't contribute to reperfusion injury. The cytokines that are released by alloreactive T cells, the cytolysis that they cause, all of which could contribute to reperfusion injury driven inflammation. The kidney, though, has a remarkable ability to bounce back. Mainly because sterile inflammation is also a means by which the immune system cleans up self-created messes. Know that the regulatory or reparative factors uh, that are involved in this are simultaneously being released along with the more pro-inflammatory ones. It's only when the balance tips in the, f- in the favor of the reparative factors, as in when the reparative factors begin to outpace the destructive ones, that bad inflammation can stop and healing can begin. Let us revisit the definition of, de- of inflammation that we laid down at the very beginning. We said that it was an activation of immune cells with the goal of restoring homeostasis. By that definition, the reparative measures that are carried out by immune cells are also a form of sterile inflammation. Consider the binding of adenosine. Adenosine is a product of dying cells, which binds to adenosine receptors on pro-inflammatory macrophages. Here, it polarizes them into IL-10 and growth factor secreting healers. The neutrophil redemption arc 
involves clearing out cell debris through phagocytosis and also releasing growth factors and uh, proangiogenic factors that help remodel the tissue, uh, therefore promoting more healing. There's also evidence of neutrophils recruiting regulatory T-cells and anti-inflammatory T-cell type, Tregs, we abbreviate them, via a chemokine called CCL17. As I just said, the Tregs being anti-inflammatory, they're definitely needed here. Incidentally, B-cells also promote tissue healing. It is unclear how, though. All I found were papers using a B-cell deficient or a MUMT, murine model of kidney reperfusion injury, where sans the B-cells, the mice fed rather poorly as compared to the controls that actually had B-cells. In fact, folks have also outlined roles for B-cells in promoting inflammation in reperfusion injury. But once again, those mechanisms remain elusive. Our CD19 friends continue to stay enigmatic. But look at this, this template that we've, that we've laid out, right? This template of insult, endothelial dysfunction, leukocyte recruitment, and the remodeling of tissue architecture as a consequence of inflammation. Um, this template is not unique to the kidney. The heart, for example, uh, in the initiation of atherosclerosis, which is the buildup of fatty plaque in arterial walls, begins with an insult like the deposition of oxidized lipid upon the endothelium. The end consequence of atherosclerosis, the heart attack, the myocardial infarction, happens because sterile inflammation alters the architecture of the coronary artery in such a way that blood flow to the heart is severely impaired or even stopped. So... What I've talked about today, it barely scratches the surface of sterile inflammation. Anti-tumor responses are a form of sterile inflammation, some would say, and I would agree. You should definitely check out Monologue 7, where Natalie tells you all about the chivalric nature of tumor rejection. I haven't even touched upon autoimmune disorders like MS or Crohn's, etc., probably because I think a lot has already been said about these. I wanted to talk about some of the less discussed phenomena. Sterile inflammation may also be critical to neuropsychiatric disorders. A lot of that work is in its infancy right now, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Sterile inflammation, I must say, will also get you jacked, man. If you lift weights, skeletal muscle responds by producing cytokines like IL-6, IL-15, IL-7, TGF-beta, and quite a few others that are all important in the remodeling, see, the remodeling of skeletal muscle. There's just so much to talk about. However, My aim in this episode was to suggest that perhaps it is facile to think of the immune system as a collection of cells merely facing outwards, ready to attack foreign microbial pathogens. The immune system engages with the self, and often, self-communion, you will agree, is often complicated. And with that, I am off. Take care. See you again soon.